60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding's nationwide mortgage licensing system ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Robert Palmer is the empowering voice that you've been waiting for. He comes on the radio, he gets on websites, he teaches you the rules you need to know to take over your finances. He's right there for you 24-7 on iHeart, and he's on this very radio station to bring you the tools you need so that you're no longer intimidated by credit cards, bank loans, savings accounts, where your money goes to work for you. And of course, we always point out the ways that we waste money or have money taken away from us by fees and by financial institutions that are always coming up with another scheme, another scam. That's the way it is out there, folks. They're not happy enough by just getting interest on our money. A lot of the financial institutions spend millions of dollars on marketing concepts and uh, smoke and mirrors so they can get even more of our money. And by the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, we're short on money because people have taken it from us. What are we going to talk about today on the show? Well, we'll talk about there is no need to be intimidated. We're going to talk about some of the saving thousands rules to success. We'll take a real close up look at rule number eight, which is practice what you learn and always learn more. We'll look at rule number 10 which deals with how much money you should have in savings. We'll talk about the FICO score. What in the world is the FICO score? And we'll talk about taking that first step toward home ownership. The first step is making the phone call. You know, Robert, I talk to a lot of our listeners and they say the more they listen to the show and the more they visit savingthousands.com, the more comfortable they are with money. From the time they get their paycheck till the time that they look at their savings account, Well, they're pretty doggone happy after they listen and they learn. Yeah, you know, Rob, the whole point of the show is, you know, for me to come out here and and share a lot of the insight I had had learned, you know, being in the financial services industry for so long and seeing a lot of the a lot of the ways that, you know, financial services companies, mortgage, credit cards, insurance companies, they really are like set up to take advantage of consumers. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty insane when you think about it. And so, you know, I went on the radio five years, six years ago to, to try to explain to people how this stuff really worked. And uh, it's kind of funny because one of the things that really drove me to do this uh, is, is I think a lot of people don't realize the impact that their financial situation, or their financial lives can have on their kids. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the, one of my early stories as a kid. So my uh, my parents you know, got divorced when I was young and they got divorced because of a financial issue. So my, my dad had his own car dealership uh, right here in Central Florida uh, when I was young, super young. And uh, so they were, let's say they're a little excessive, right? And so <laughs> I remember one of the, one of the last Easter's that they were together, uh, instead of getting me an Easter basket, they actually got me this, they got a raft. And so the raft oh, was the man. basket and they filled the raft up with like giant stuffed bunnies and candy and all this stuff. And, and so then I'd say like maybe five or six months later, my dad's business fails. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it ruins my parents' relationship. They end up getting divorced. And so now my mom here raising me as a single parent. And so the next year I get a normal Easter basket. And so, like, I decided the Easter Bunny hates me, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm distraught as a kid. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do to make the Easter Bunny hate me so much? You know, and and again, it's it's that that our finances do impact our kids' lives. Mm -hmm. And so now here I went from, you know, the only life I knew as a little kid too young to really understand money, but you can see that difference. You know, my dad was doing really well, owned his own business. All of a sudden, he's, they're divorced. He leaves the state. My mom's now a single parent trying to raise me. And, um, you know, she ran up a lot of credit card debt doing that. And so, you know, later in life, I remember being you know, probably 13 or 14 years old. And I decided I would get on the phone with her credit card companies and try to negotiate the interest rates, oh, right? No. And, uh, you know, it was cool. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, Robert, you're, that made you grow up too fast. But I, in a lot of ways, it was good. You know, it was, it was good for mm-hmm. me as a, a young child to to see the impact of finances. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about coming on the radio and, you know, trying to help people avoid those same types of mistakes. Because look, the deck is stacked against you. I mean, the credit card companies, mortgage companies, mm-hmm. insurance companies, you know, the, the mode of operation, they are built to take advantage of consumers. You know, they're built to take advantage of us. That's that's how they make their money. Instead of instead of spending the money to figure out how to do better for the world, they're out there spending the money for evil. Mm-hmm. You know, they're spending the money to try to figure out, oh, well, you know, if we offer people credit cards while they're in line at department stores and offer them savings, we can hook them in. 
you know, if we go onto college campuses and we do a card with the high school with the with this, the college logo, the mascot on the card, kids are going to sign up. And if we give them a free T-shirt or you know whatever it is, you know, it's, it's all about tricking us. It's all about the smoke and mirrors. It's a lot like magicians. You know, when a magician does the act, they have the the pretty girl, they have the you know the distraction, the 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 big smoke and fireworks that go off in the background to to divert your attention. And that's really what financial services companies are about. And so I lived in that world for a long time, you know, being in the in the mortgage business and working for some really big lenders throughout my career. Uh, and so, you know, when I opened RP Funding, uh, you know, I decided I wanted to give back. And a big part of that was coming on the radio every weekend. You know, we started, what, Saturday mornings at 8 a.m.? Saturday mornings early. Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. And, uh, you know, went from there uh, during the week. And it's exciting because it's, it's a great platform for me to go out there and, and share a lot of what goes on, a lot of what people have to watch out for. Because uh, it is, you know, there, there's so many ways to get in trouble with with debt and, you know, the the rack, running up credit cards, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're, all of a sudden you're buried. And those minimum payments, it's going to take 20 years to pay the thing off, you know, or people who get in over their head with a mortgage. You know, look at how many people bought homes in 2006 and 2007 and they couldn't afford those homes, you know, and it was it was greed. A lot of it was greed on behalf of the the banks and the and really Wall Street. Mm-hmm. You know, Wall Street came into the industry and they wanted to be able to make as much money per transaction as possible and they figured out the way to do that was to actually loan money to people that couldn't really afford to pay it back. Because back then, home prices were going up so quick. You know, the idea was, oh, we're going to make them the loan, and they're not going to pay it back, and it'll be okay because when we take the house back, it's worth even more money, and then we'll sell it again. And this was the attitude. And it ended up, I mean, it ended up blowing up in their face, obviously, with the, the whole subprime crash. But it's just that this, this greed factor is just insane. And as consumers, when we don't stand up and fight for our rights, when we don't shop around, and we don't ask questions and we don't compare services and we just take the first financial services product that's offered to us, we're, we're teeing up to be taken advantage of, to let them do what they've been practicing for so long. And all it takes is, is a, I tell you, Rob, one of those powerful phrases you can use as a consumer is simply tell the people, hey, I'm going to shop around. Hey, you know, mm, that does yeah. sound like a pretty good deal, but let me just, I'm going to check with a couple of your competitors. I'm going to shop around. And all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you're the, you're that guy that's going to shop around. Well, I've got a deal for you, you know, and and but just mentioning those simple words, you know, we'll spend all this time. People will shop around for the best deal on a laptop. You know, people will shop around. They'll go on Amazon or, you know, Google and compare price after price and, you know, they're buying a new vacuum cleaner and it's like, "Oh, well, you know, Walmart's got it for 5 bucks cheaper than Target." And, you know, people will put all this effort and energy into buying products and making sure they're getting a good deal. But then when it comes to financial services, when it comes to intangibles, it's like we forget all those skills. We completely forget about it, and we just pay whatever you know, whatever people throw at us. Yes, we are saving thousands with Robert Palmer, and we invite you to save even more as our Saving Thousands No Closing Cost Refi program is coming to an end. That's right. It's been several months now. Robert has paid out over $4.7 million in your closing costs doc stamps, recording fees, you name it. All of those things that have to be paid after a loan is granted. These are all legal fees, folks, and somebody's got to pay them. And they usually add up to three, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000. Well, Robert Palmer is going to make that payment for you, but only now till the end of the year. Now, we've had this promotion going on for several months. First, we set a goal of $2.5 million, and, uh, well, that disappeared real fast. So then Robert said, no, I'm going to let it go to the end of the year. So over that amount of time, he has spent a lot of money and paid a lot of closing costs, and he's done so by cutting back on his television advertising and cutting back on some of his direct mail. So all in all, it worked. A lot of people are coming here for the refis, and they are saving thousands. But remember, the refi promotion with no lender fees and no closing costs ends at the end of the year. We're counting down the days toward that ball dropping, right? And when the ball drops, it's over. No more promotion of that kind. 855-773-8634. 855-773-8634. All you have to do is apply for the refi before the end of the year. From then until February 28th, we can go ahead and process, do the documentation, do all of that. But for right now, you can qualify for the no closing cost refi by simply applying before the end of the year. So get to it. We have extra people on staff right now. We have brought in extra people to process these applications because Robert wants you to save that money. 855-773-8634, 855-773-8634. Make the call. Well, Robert, I'm looking down the table in our uh, beautiful studios here, and you've got a copy of the Saving Thousands Rules in your hand. What's up? 
Rob, we've got rule number three, which is the three-day rule. This is the three-day waiting period on large purchases. Uh, you know, this is a big one. You know, you want to go buy that new car. I want you to sit on it. I want you to think about it for three days, right? If you decide you want to buy a house, I want you to think about that decision for three days. Now, I do not want you to wait three days after you find the home you love because someone else will buy it out from underneath you. Uh, but but from when, when you look at your, your spouse or you look in the mirror at yourself and say, you know what, I want to become a homeowner, before you rush out and apply for a mortgage and before you rush out and, and get a home under contract, I want you to take three days and I want you to think about it. And I want you to do a budget and I want you to make sure that you're going to buy the right amount because I think the decision to buy a home is always the correct one, but you've got to make the right decisions when it comes to how much you can afford, how much you're going to put down, you know, all of these things have a big play. You know, so maybe you call the mortgage company and you get some some advice, you get an idea, but I don't want you to apply for that three days while you're waiting. I don't want you to go out looking at houses for the three days while you're waiting. Uh, if it's a car, I don't want you to buy it and I want you to wait three days. When you're sitting at that dealership and you tell the sales guy, you need to go home and think about it for three days, uh, he's going to curse you and he's going to curse me because he's going to know why you're telling him that because you listen to the show. Uh, but trust me, they will always make more of that vehicle, right? There is no scarcity in vehicles. Uh, you have the power as a consumer. And, and the three-day waiting absolutely puts the power back in your hands because what you will find is uh, usually by about day two and a half, they will come back to you with a better offer uh, because they want to make sure they earn your business. So that's rule number three, uh, three-day waiting period on large purchases and new credit. Uh, same thing if you're in line at a department store and they're trying to get you to sign up for a credit card, uh, you know, you're going to go home and think about it for three days. The credit card will still be there. The 20% off offer will still be there, Right. And so I do not want you to just sign up in line. See, I used to tell people to just not do this at all because I couldn't get them to think about it. I couldn't get them to process it. But the three-day rule fixes that. So instead of me saying never get a department store credit card, uh, you're gonna you're not going to get it except for three days after they first offer it to you. So when they offer it to you, say, you know what? I really need to think about this. I need to take a few days and research it. Do you have one of the little pamphlets that'll give me the details on the interest rate and the annual fee and all the details? Okay, great. Thank you. I'm going to go home and read this. and I'm going to marinate on this for three days. And if I decide I want your card, the next time I'm in here shopping, uh, I will I will sign up for it. I will have my little pamphlet pre-filled out, right? Or, you know, so that I, I know uh, I know I'm ready to go. I'm not standing in line giving out my social security number uh, with 10 people in line behind me. And people wonder how identity theft is running so rampant. You know, we're, we're giving out our social security number, date of birth, and name in line uh, at the at Target <laughs> so we can get a 20% a discount. Uh, and then their systems get hacked anyway, so it all works out. Uh, so that's, that's, uh, we got, uh, all right, let's see. So moving on, we've got the three day rule. We got don't abuse credit. Don't fear it either. Rule number five, if you know their tricks, they don't work. We talked about this. The whole point behind the point systems and the discounts is to try to trick you into overspending and spending more money and, uh, don't do it. You know, if you know the tricks, they don't work. And if you can avoid the tricks, you can make good financial decisions and you can take advantage of them. You can, you know, the, the trick that we can use as consumers is we're going to take all the free stuff you give us and we're not going to let you earn any interest. That's our trick. That's the trick we get to use back on them. Mm -hmm. uh, rule number six, spread your knowledge. Uh, educate your friends and family, uh, especially your children. You know, and I'm on a big, big campaign right now, Rob, to, to get financial literacy into schools. I've had a few preliminary meetings with our lobbyists. Uh, you know, we're putting this whole campaign together. We're going to put this whole, uh, this whole program together to try to get awareness out there, to try to get people to rally behind me. Uh, and let's wake up the school systems and let's try to develop a way for our kids to be taught financial literacy. Let's teach our kids uh, about how to respect credit and how to understand credit and how credit scores work and how home buying works uh, and how debt works and how interest works and, and all these things that they're absolutely not taught today. You know, if, if we can teach, uh, you know, home economics and all this other stuff, you know, we should absolutely be teaching kids uh, about finance, about personal finance. So I'm launching this this whole campaign for financial literacy. Uh, I am going to do whatever it takes to change this uh, mm -hmm. because our young people uh, are, are not being taught. And and trust me, some of the big financial institutions don't want them to know, right? Because let's go back to rule number five. If you know their tricks, they don't work. That's and right. so when I get on the radio and say, I want to teach all the dirty tricks to to, the, to today's youth, to America's youth, they're, they're, there's financial services guys out there cringing, you know, putting hits out on my life because they don't want that to happen. You know, because if, if they know the tricks, they won't work. Uh, but that's important to me. And so spreading your knowledge, uh, educating your friends and family. Uh, don't be afraid to talk to your kids about this stuff. I mean, that, that's my, that is my plea to all of you listening right now is, is do not think your children are too young to understand these concepts because the, the younger you get them comfortable and familiar with them, uh, the more on top of it they will be. The last mm -hmm. thing you want is their first, uh, their first encounter with things like interest and annual fees and APRs to be, you know, their freshman year of college when they're off on their own, 
uh, and, and they want a new big screen TV for their dorm room, right? I mean, that's, that's not when you want them to learn the hard way about the repercussions of credit, about the pitfalls of credit. You know, you've got to teach them. And if you look at kids today with technology, if you look at how comfortable young children are with iPhones and Android phones and iPads, and they can pick them up and they can do things with them that, that sometimes their parents can't even do. And it's because they got comfortable with the concepts. They got comfortable with the ideas at a very young age. And this is so important. And this is what we need to do when it comes to credit. You know, I want to live in a world where kids are as familiar with credit scoring and how that works as they are with with iPhone games, you know, with Angry Birds, with uh, with Candy Crush, you know, that, that they, oh, hey, uh, you know, Bob, when I grow up, I'm going to, I'm going to have a good credit score. I'm going to have, you know, two revolving credit cards that I don't hardly use and I pay off on time and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do everything perfect and I'm going to have an 800 credit score. That's my goal. You know, the, you don't hear kids talk that way because we don't expose them to it. And then all of a sudden they, they, they get older and they get off to college and their, their first exposure to credit cards uh, is, is not in the right environment. It's not with the right information, right? It's, they don't really understand what the repercussions are. They don't understand how expensive interest can be. I mean, if you're sitting there, you know anything about it, and they say, oh, yeah, it's a 20% APR. I mean, what does that mean? I mean what, what does that mean? You know, what's the, what is that? Is that like a 20% discount? You know, no, this 20% is every year, right? Every year we're going to charge you 20%. So in five years, we'll have charged you 100%, right? You buy a $1,000 TV, and in the next five years, we're going to charge you $1,000 in interest if you don't pay it off. Ouch. See, people don't explain that. They don't understand it. It just it seems like fictitious money, right? Because there's no grasp of the long-term repercussions of credit. And so the biggest disservice we are doing to the youth today is not explaining credit to them, not explaining home buying, not explaining credit scoring, not explaining money, balancing budgeting, right? All the things that go with it. And, and this is setting up our, our younger generation for failure. And it is, and we've got to do something about it. And, and that's why I'm on this, uh, starting this campaign. I'm hoping to launch officially in the next couple months uh, to, to try to rally all of my, I think I'm up to like 200,000 listeners now, Rob, yep. you know, to rally my 200,000 listeners behind me to try to do something about this. You know, we've got a voice yeah. and we're going to use that voice mm-hmm. to try to get America's youth to be taught about financial literacy. So that's rule number six. Rule seven, own real estate sooner, not later. We've covered this a lot today. Uh, you know, real estate is is the, the greatest source of equity and wealth in this country. And uh, it, it fits in so nicely with everything else we talk about because people almost always use credit to buy real estate. That's called a mortgage. And, uh, and when you use all the things we talk about here on the show, shopping around and knowing your numbers and waiting three days and not abusing credit, all that fits into being able to buy real estate and get a great deal on it and make a good decision with it. And Robert, I'd like to remind everybody that they too can get a list of the Saving Thousands rules with no obligation by simply going on to savingthousands.com. That's right, folks. Savingthousands.com. Thousands must be spelled out. So you go to savingthousands.com and right there at the very top of the home page, you'll see some tabs. You hit those tabs, you've got it made. The first one is the home page. Well, you're already there, right? So just to the right of that, you'll see the rules. When you click on the rules, there'll be a nice blue list of 15 saving thousands rules to success. And Robert came upon these rules after years and years in the mortgage industry. He didn't just pull these out of a hat. He didn't just sit down one day and say, I'm going to write the rules. No, over the years that Robert has served in the mortgage industry, and now, of course, owning his own company, Imagine how many thousands upon thousands of credit reports, credit applications, and one-on-one conversations with people. Now, some of those people have had credit scores in the 500s. Some of them have credit scores over 800. How did they get where they are? And the first thing for you to know is that it doesn't matter how much money you make. If you make a million dollars a year, that does not qualify you for a high credit score. Now, you probably had a high credit score, and it helped you get there. But if you only make $30,000 a year, these saving thousands rules can help you maximize the return and help you maximize how far that money will go for you. And that's how the rules came about. Robert had conversations. He saw the smoke and mirrors that people fell for, and he developed the rules for you. They're very simple. It's kind of like a GPS. Your GPS gets you to where you're going in your car. Well, the saving thousands rules will get you to where you want to go with your money. So, Robert, let's go back to the rules. Uh, rule number eight, practice what you learn, always learn more. This is the the guy out there uh, still rocking the the debit card or the check card. We've talked okay. about this. You know, I've given a lot of examples of the the fraud 
and how you can have your checking account cleaned out, which can set off a chain reaction, a domino effect that ruins a lot of other aspects of your financial life, right? And it's all because you carry a debit card. Well, I've told you to stop, but you're still doing it. And so rule number eight is you got to practice what you learn and always learn more. Because if you're not going to practice this stuff, just get me, go listen to pop music, right? Um, they're playing Britney Spears on some other station right now. You could rock out to that. If you're going to sit here and listen to me, if you're going to spend your time listening to me teach you this stuff, you got to use it. You got to put it into practice. You got to practice what you learn. That's rule number eight. Rule number nine, share your successes. So when you do, save money, right? And everybody has this, Rob. When they listen for a while and they finally go with rule number eight and they practice what they've learned and they shop around for something, right? Or they start paying attention to their numbers or they wait three days before they buy a big purchase and they realize it was going to be a mistake, right? When, when you do one of these things, right? When you learn one of the tricks, so now it can't work against you anymore, right? When you have one of these successes, you've got to share it because there's other people out there thinking that there is no better way, right? They don't know about the rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. And if they do know about them, maybe they think they don't work. Maybe they think I'm full of crap. Who knows? So when you have a success, you've got to share it. You've got to tell people. You've got to tell people, hey, yeah, I just I shopped around for my car insurance and saved a bunch of money. I shopped around for my cable bill. I threatened to shop around for my cable bill and I saved money. Right, Rob? That's right. You know, you've got to share the successes. So when you have successes, when you put these rules to use, if you bought a house five years ago, and you've got eighty or $90,000 in equity now because your mortgage went down and your value went up, tell people about it, right? See, we, we don't want to talk about this stuff. Oh, I can't. That would be bragging. I can't tell my neighbors. I can't tell my friends that I, that I have all this equity and all this net worth now because I bought a home. Well, do you understand the disservice you're doing your friend? Your friend who's still renting because he doesn't understand, because he was never taught, because he never found this radio show right? Because he wasn't taught about financial literacy. He doesn't understand the power that comes with owning a home, the power and the equity and the net worth and the wealth creation that can come with owning that home. And you, his friend, are a living, breathing example of it, right? I I bought a house in 2010, man, and it's gone up like 60,000 in value and the mortgage has gone down and I've got this equity and I've got this wealth now and, and, and my rent payment hasn't gone up. The payment's the same, you should really think about buying a home. This is the best service you can do for your friend. This is rule number nine. This is share your success. Buying a home in 2010 was a huge success. Buying a home today will be a success. Uh, but the, the, the people that we will take advice from more than anyone else is our friends and family. So if you're not telling, I want you to, if you're one of these people, if you have that success, if you understand the power and wealth creation that comes with owning real estate, with buying a home instead of throwing your money away in rent, and you have any friends or family members who are still renting, you owe it to them to share your success and to get them to change their behavior and to get them to go out and buy a house. Right, Rob? I mean, that's yeah. I that's mean, what rule number nine is all about. I look at it like this, Robert. People, when you sit around with people, they'll be the first ones to say, did you see the new movie? Have you seen this movie? Have you seen the latest car line? But they won't give them financial advice which could help them. They're supposed to be your friends. You're supposed to want them to have the success you've got, right? That's it. That's rule number nine. You've got to share those successes. And I'm talking to you right now. I'm talking to you right there listening. Yes, you. Yes, you right now, right there sitting in your car, listening to me on the radio. I want you to go share your financial successes with your friends. It's not bragging. It's not gloating. It's the only way you're going to help them. And you know what? You're either going to find an ally. They're going to look back and say, you know what, man? I feel the exact same way. And now there's two of you to go tell somebody else. They're going to say, you know what? I never thought of it that way. I, I didn't know that. I didn't think about the pitfalls of having a bad credit score. I didn't think about how renting is so much worse than owning a home. I didn't think about these things. And you, my friend, you just opened my eyes to this. Thank you so much. Right? That's what's going to happen because everybody wants to be financially successful. Nobody's sitting out there saying, man, I, I hope I'm broke and I hope I'm renting when I'm <laughs> 60. Nobody's saying that. But the thing is, we don't, we don't have a clear path. We don't have the roadmap. So many of us have never been taught about these things. We just don't understand. There's still people out there that think you got to have a 20% down payment to buy a house. Other people probably think they got to pay cash, right? They're driving around and say, man, $150,000 for a house. Where will I ever get $150,000? They could buy that house with, with $4,500 out of pocket, which is probably what they're going to go use for first, last, and security on a, on a rental, on an mm -hmm. apartment. Exactly. But they don't know. They were never taught. There was no financial literacy training in school not in college. No one taught them this stuff. Their parents wouldn't talk to them about it because you don't talk about money. You don't talk about finance. Wrong. You have to. 
You've got to share your, success, your successes. You've got to spread your knowledge. These are important things. These are important parts of this whole process. And, and so when your friend who hasn't figured it out on their own, when you go tell them, when you share that success and you tell them you are doing them one of the, the best services ever and you are helping them move toward financial stability and helping them move toward wealth creation and helping them move toward financial literacy and becoming a financial ninja, and that's what it's all about. That's what this is 100%. That's why I'm on the radio. That's why I do what I do. You know, Robert, what gets me about the rules? They're so simple. I mean, these are 15 things that most people have never thought about. And yet, when they read the rules, they very quickly can incorporate those rules into their day-to-day, hour-by-hour treatment of money. And before you know it, as I love to say, at the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, they've got more money. And they can't figure out where it came from. They didn't get a raise at work. No, they learn how to maneuver their money. Just like the GPS I was talking about a few minutes ago, get your car where you want to go. Well, these 15 saving thousands rules get you where you want to go with your money. So memorize these rules. I don't know, make make a copy of them and carry it around with you. But simply referring to the rules, you are going to start managing your money a lot better and they're not difficult. These are very easy things to do. We're not asking you to give up chocolate. We're asking you to just look at the rules and see how they apply to you. And Robert, I'm also looking at the site where we find the rules, savingthousands.com. And a few minutes ago, as you know, I was going over where to find them. Well, as you go to the homepage, look up at the top, you'll see the rules. Next to that, you'll see a tab that says radio shows. What's that all about? Well, radio shows is your portal to all the shows that Robert has done over the years. See, all these shows are recorded. They're archived by topic and date. So you can simply go to radio shows and you can find any show you want. All right. Station listings. That, of course, is a list of the stations, where they are, when they run this show. So you can look at even a map and see where you're driving to next. And, oh, I can pick up the Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer show right there in that part of Florida or that part of Mississippi or wherever it is. So you'll see the map, self-explanatory. We have an Ask Robert section. Ask Robert is simply that. You click on it, a form appears with all confidentiality. You can type in your question. Robert will answer that question. And finally, there's Home Value Hotline. Home Value Hotline, that gives you the most precise evaluation of your home with no strings attached. So just click on Home Value Hotline, fill out the form, And before you know it, without obligation, you will be given the value of your home as established by local professionals in real estate and mortgages. The people that set the uh, rules every day, the people that set the prices of homes will actually help you find out what your home is worth. Robert, what about that rule that deals with how much we should have saved up? All right. Rule number 10. This is a big one. This is a big one. I want you to have a savings account equal to three, your last three months of gross pay. Gross pay, all right, last three months. Why is it the last three months? Well, this is constantly changing. If you work more overtime, if you get bonuses, if you get a raise, your last three months checks will be bigger, which means I want you to save more money, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so that that's rule number 10. Our, our savings account equal to our last three months of gross pay. This is gonna set us up uh, to be able to survive any downturns, any hardships, any layoffs, any problems we may come across. Rule number 11, we do not gamble with the essentials, right? So guess what? That savings account, our retirement accounts, we are not going to gamble this money on risky stocks, right? If anything, I want you to put it into exchange-traded funds, ETFs, kind of like mutual funds. They follow the indexes, right? So you're basically investing in the the Dow Jones, right? Or you're investing in the uh, the S&P 500, a large, large swath of companies. So there's less volatility, a lot of it I want you to just have in a savings account, but we're not going to gamble with the essentials, right? We're not going to get a hot stock tip on a company called Enron and stick our retirement account into it or our three months of savings into it, right? We're not going to do those things. The other thing we're not going to gamble with is an interest rate lock when we're buying a house. So this is a big one. A lot of people don't understand how this works. When you go and apply for a mortgage, uh, you have to your interest rate can change up until you lock it in, right? You lock in that interest rate. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it does exactly what it sounds like. When you lock in your interest rate, that's now the rate you're going to get at closing. Uh, and you should get a written agreement from the lender. So all that initial paperwork you get with a rate on it doesn't mean anything. They can send you a quote with a rate on it. They can send you an application with a rate on it. None of that is binding until they send you a rate lock agreement with a rate on it. Well, guess what, Rob? We have seen rates go crazy and go up over the last four days. Yes, sir. Okay, last five days, all last week. 
So a lot of people who did not lock in, who did not lock their rate in, who maybe didn't even know you had to lock your rate in, right? They call a mortgage guy up and he says, oh yeah, we got a great rate today. It's XYZ. Oh, great. Uh, and, but they don't ask the question, am I locked into that? Have, can I lock that now? What's the deal? And so then all of a sudden we have a week like last week where rates go up and now the guy's calling you saying, oh, sorry, today the rate's higher. What do you mean? You told me it was XYZ. Well, you didn't lock it in. You should have locked it in. So this is the game a lot of mortgage companies play. Uh, at my mortgage company, we lock everybody in up front. We don't play this game. I, do, I, I force you to follow rule number 11 when you do business with my mortgage company. <laughs> I lock you in up front. There's, there's no question. There's no debate about it. I make you lock in because I'm not going to gamble with the essentials. I'm going to follow rule number 11. But a lot of people don't. And a lot of mortgage companies will encourage you not to lock in because it's a way for them to take the power away from you as a consumer, right? So you're following rule number one. You're shopping around and you have someone who quotes you the best interest rate. If you don't lock that rate in, they can bait and switch you the day before closing. Or if rates go up, rates go down, whatever, that you're at their mercy because you can't reshop around right before closing. So for most people, it takes, you know, 30 days to close on the mortgage. So if you don't lock the rate in, you are gambling with your interest rate during that entire 30 days, right up until the day of closing. So it's very important to make sure you lock your rate in. This all falls under rule number 11. Don't gamble with the essentials. So we're not going to put our retirement accounts or savings accounts into risky investments. Uh, we're going to lock our interest rate in up front to make sure we don't gamble with our mortgage payments. Uh, this all falls under rule number 11. Don't gamble with the essentials. Rule number 12, you got to check references. Okay. So as we're shopping around, as we're out there being financial ninjas, as we're looking at new insurance companies, new mortgage companies, whatever, new real estate agents, we got to check references. And the best way to check references is good old Google, right? We're going to go into Google and we're going to type in the company's name followed by the word scam. And we're going to hit search and we're going to read. We're going to type in the company's name followed by reviews. We're going to hit search. We're going to read. We're going to type in the company's name followed by BBB or Better Business Bureau. We're going to read. We're going to type in the company's name followed by complaints. We're going to hit search and we're going to read. And here's what I will tell you. Uh, a company who has just tons and tons of negative reviews and they never respond to them and they don't seem to do any better, uh, you want to watch out for them. The other thing is a company who doesn't have any negative reviews, like this is always suspicious to me, Rob. You'll see these companies where they have like tons and tons of positive reviews all from the same day uh -huh. and then haven't had any sense and haven't had any... To me, this is an indication of a company that doesn't do very much business, right? Uh, they, they don't really do any business. They're trying to fabricate the feeling that they do business when they don't. And so this is something big to look out for. I, I personally look for a company that has a couple negatives. Nobody can make everybody happy all the time. You know, even you look at the, the most powerful brands in the, in the country and the, the companies who are constantly rated as being the most consumer friendly, they have complaints. Not every consumer is going to be happy every time. So if you have a company uh, with no negative reviews, it either means they're being hidden Right. There was a big, uh, there's big, big stuff going on. It's about Zillow, Rob. So apparently, <laughs> apparently uh, mortgage companies who pay Zillow a lot of money, Zillow will delete their negative reviews. Oh, really? Uh, and so I, I've read a couple of these because some of the people who have left the, rev the negative reviews on these big mortgage companies, uh, and I don't, I don't have any Zillow reviews. I don't, I don't believe in it. I don't think it's a good system. Uh, my mortgage company doesn't advertise with Zillow. We don't have a Zillow profile. We don't really do anything with Zillow uh, from a review standpoint because I'm not a, a fan of how their system works. Uh, because the, these big companies that pay them a lot of money to buy leads, they will delete the negative reviews. And I just, I don't think that's a good system. It's not something I'm going to be a part of. Uh, but I, I found on the internet where there are people who had their review deleted from Zillow. So then they go post it other places where Zillow can't find it and delete it and talk about the fact that Zillow deleted the reviews. Mm. So when a company has nothing but positive reviews, I'm always suspicious uh, because it, it's just, it's, it's a part of doing business. Not yeah. everybody's going to be happy. I mean, we, you can try your hardest. Trust me. I know I try my hardest to make sure every person is hundred percent happy. And we do customer surveys and we, we base our bonuses on customer satisfaction surveys, but there are still people that get upset and, and we try to do our best to fix it and make it right. But I just, I can't personally believe in a company and trust a company's reviews if they don't have any negative ones. It just, uh, I just don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible to make every single consumer happy every single time. Uh, unless you're doing almost, unless you're doing no volume, you know, if, if you're doing one transaction a year, then, then maybe. So that's rule number 12. And then rule number 13, if you do own or run a business, be transparent with your consumers, uh, run your business in a way that someone who follows the 13 rules here on the saving thousands radio network can be proud to do business with you. And if you're just tuning into the show, we're saving thousands with Robert Palmer. And I do want to remind you, that you can save even more thousands, but you've got to act quickly. For the past several months, if you've come across this show before, you know that Robert Palmer is offering to pay your closing cost on the refi transaction. Most of you have no idea how much equity that you're sitting on right now. And if the value of your home is such that you have equity in that home, but you're not using that equity, 
Well, you're kind of being like a financial zombie. You've got to be proactive and you've got to understand that that equity can change your financial life. You don't have to be a prisoner to it. You have to use it as a tool. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do. You could refinance your home right now with Robert paying the closing cost, and you could cut the number of years that you have left on your mortgage. And the payments would not be that much difference because of these great interest rates. And speaking of interest rates, Robert did not bump the rates at RP funding when the Fed bumped the rates a few weeks ago. The rates at RP funding stayed just the same. So you get great rates. Somebody else pays your closing cost. You have no lender fees. It is a win, win, win. Other things you can do with a refinance is take some cash and pay off those high interest credit cards, especially this time of year. How many of us have run up those cards all the way to the limit? And oh, are we going to pay? Well, we might as well just pay them all off and then be disciplined and take the money that we would normally do in credit card payments and pay down our mortgage even further. All right. We could use a refi to get rid of PMI. You know how you look at the, uh, the statement, your bank statement when you're making that mortgage payment and it says private mortgage insurance, PMI, wipe that out because you've got the equity. You don't need to pay PMI anymore. And the refi will make that happen if you've got sufficient equity. So there's a lot of reasons to refi, but right now you must refi before the end of the year, at least make the application. If you apply before the end of the year, you qualify for the no closing cost promotion. If you apply in January, no, you do not get the promotion. So apply now at 855-773-8634. That's 855-773-8634. Make your application over the phone or go to rpfunding.com. Get the application in before the end of the year. Folks, we're running out of time. Well, Robert, when we began the show, I promised everybody that you would talk about FICO. Yeah, so at the end of the day, Rob, it's all about the score that we use as lenders. Sure. And so there's all these people out there pitching their Vantage score, their Vanquish score, mm-hmm. their whatever, and then they make up crazy unknown scores, right? We as lenders use the FICO score. You know, it was created by Fair Isaac Corporation, F-I-C-O, Fair F-I Isaac Co. Corporation, Fair Isaac Corporation, mm-hmm. F-I-C-O. And so that's the one, they invented the credit score, and that's the credit score that we all use as lenders, Right. Well, the other what happens is Fair Isaac owns that technology. FICO owns that technology. So whenever somebody gets a FICO score, purchases a FICO score to give to you as a consumer, they have to pay a royalty to Fair Isaac. Mm -hmm. And so the credit bureau is trying to be greedy. They figured they would just make up their own score for them. They said, "Oh, how hard can it be? Right? How you know these Fair Isaac guys? They developed the credit score model like 20 years ago. How hard can Mm. it be? We've got better technology today, right? And uh, and that didn't work out." We as lenders will not recognize their score. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, they were selling the consumer what I call a FACO score because it's not the FICO score. It's a fake one. It's a FACO score. Well, that's starting to change. There's been so much pressure. You know, I've been talking about this for five years now, yeah. and everybody else is finally catching on that it's deceptive. It's deceptive to sell a consumer one score and then turn around and sell us as a lender a different score, right? It just doesn't make sense. And so now they're finally starting to offer the FICO score because consumers have gotten more educated. They've been told one too many times by lenders, well, I don't care what the score they told you is. This is the score they're telling us, and this is the FICO score. This is the one we're going to use. So it's important that if you are going to track your credit, if you are going to try to make better credit decisions, you've got to use the FICO score, all right, F-I-C-O. You can learn more about it at myfico.com. That's Fair Isaac's website. They will sell you a credit reporting score right there at myfico.com. Otherwise, most of the other credit companies will sell you the FICO score. They're going to charge you for it because they get charged for it by Fair Isaac. But if you want to know what the score that we're going to use as a lender is, it's the FICO score. And a lot of people are score conscious, which they have to be, Mm -hmm. because credit scoring is utilized in so much of today's credit decisioning, right? You know, a 620 FICO score versus a 740 FICO score versus a 500 FICO score can make the difference between no approval at all and approval at a crappy interest rate and then approval at a really good interest rate. It's all about that FICO score. Car lenders use it. Mortgage companies use it. Credit card companies use it. They don't even look at anything else. I mean, pretty much all credit card companies look at today is your FICO score. They don't care about your income. They don't care about your assets. They don't care about what's on your credit report. All they care about is what is that number? What is that FICO Mm -hmm. score? And so if you're out here tracking a FICO score, a fake one, an inaccurate number, and you think you're there, you know, there's people say, all right, we're going to be... We're going to be very, very responsible, right? And we're going to we're going to get our score up to 740, 
before we apply for a new credit card so we can make sure we get the best interest rates and fees on that credit card, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So they do that, and all of a sudden their FACO score registers at 741, and they think they made it, and they call and apply for the credit card, and then they don't get the best deal because their FICO score was only 695 or 692 uh-huh. because there can be huge difference between the real FICO score and the fake score that they're selling you. Now, if someone is giving you a FICO score, it's the real one. They can't make up a fake FICO score, right? What they have to do is when it's not the FICO score, they have to call it something else. They have to give it some other name. So the key is when you're tracking your credit score, make sure you're getting the FICO score. And really what that means is that's the scoring model that was developed by Fair Isaac Corporation, the original company. They've now changed their name to FICO because FICO, yeah, they they changed it to FICO because that's what everybody knew them as. FICO, Mm -hmm. F-I-C-O, Fair Isaac Corporation, FICO. So they're now just called FICO. And uh, they changed their name, but they invented this. They built the first wow. scoring model. They are the model that we as lenders trust. And what this model does is it looks at it looks at late payments. It looks at on-time payments. It looks at how old your credit is, how new your credit is. Yeah. You know, how, what, how old is your oldest account? How new is your newest account? How many late payments have you had? How recent are those lo- late payments, right? A late payment last month is a red flag. A late payment six years ago, not so much, mm-hmm. right? You know, do you have any collections? Do you have any charge-offs? You know, what's going on in your credit file that they need to be concerned about. And they built this model. It looks at your balances, the the percentage you owe on your credit cards compared to your limits. So let's say the limit is $10,000 and you owe $10,100, you're over limit on that credit card. That's a big negative factor. If you owe $100 on that credit card and the balance is $10,000, that's a positive factor. Because what it says is, it says, hey, he has the ability to go charge $10,000 and he's not doing it. Right. You know, someone with maxed out credit cards who's heavily using their credit is a bigger risk than someone who has all these available credit cards and doesn't use them because they have sufficient money in the bank and they have savings and they're they're more conscious with how they spend money. There's still more empowerment waiting for you right here at Saving Thousands Radio. That's right. The Saving Thousands Radio Network. Oh, that reminds me. If you have a smartphone, go to your Play Store and download absolutely free Saving Thousands Radio. So you don't have to wait for the radio station to play the shows. If you're ready to sit down for a few moments of on-demand listening to where you can listen for a few minutes and then run in the store and come out and listen some more, whatever you want to do, the Saving Thousands programs are archived right there at Saving Thousands Radio, the app. So go ahead and download that today. I'm sure you're going to find it very, very empowering. And don't forget, on iHeart, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, you can go to the Robert Palmer channel. Just go to the search engine at iHeart, Robert Palmer channel, okay? And you will be able to listen to these shows 24-7. They just play and play and play. And by the way, there's some pretty good music between the radio cuts. Now, another service that Robert provides is, of course, the articles on savingthousands.com. We have a research staff here that is unbelievable, talented, able to write very, very clear and easy to understand articles that are all aimed toward what? Empowering you. I'm looking at the articles right now on our records as the ones that are trending hottest, the ones that you're going to because you're interested in their topic. Here's one, balance transfers between credit cards. Is that a good idea? Okay, trending next to that, 10 steps to financial control. That's right. You could start 2016 using these 10 steps along with the 15 saving thousands rules. Let's not forget that. Okay. Does healthy have to be expensive? You know, all the while in my life, I've looked at the health food stores and I've looked at some of the aisles in the grocery store with the more healthy foods. And I thought, boy, that costs a lot of money. But after I read this article, I learned a lot. Does healthy have to be expensive? Just some of the articles that you're reading at savingthousands.com. Well, Robert, I find it very sad that so many people listening to us right now are paying $1,000, $1,200, $1,300 a month each and every month to a landlord, and yet they're scared of seeing if they could qualify for a house. And the real sad part of this is they probably could qualify for a mortgage, but they're simply scared to ask the question. That's right, Rob. So, yeah, so, you know, we're, we're talking about tricks. You know, in the first half of the show today, we talked about rule number seven. Uh, own real estate sooner, not later. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really am, am pleading with our listeners. Uh, if if you think if you think you can't, if you don't believe you can buy a home, 
uh, I want you to call and I want you to, to get pre-approved, right? And so when you call in 855-773-8634, uh, the phone system is going to tell you to, I think it's press one to, to go on the air and press two to talk to a loan officer. Maybe back, maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. It'll tell you when you call 855-773-8634. Go ahead and press the number to be connected directly with a loan officer. And they're going to tell you whether or not we can get you approved for a home today. Uh, Jim's going to help his daughter buy a home. That, that's an uh, amazing thing to do. Uh, I'm always a fan of home ownership above renting. You know, I own a, a number of properties myself. I, I do think there are times when renting is appropriate, but but in the long haul, uh, everybody needs to own real estate sooner than later. That is the new rule number seven. Uh, we talked about rule number five. If you know their tricks, they don't work, uh, which in this case, we're talking about probably my the biggest trick on my, my radar right now, which is this, this burying the credit card disclosures uh, by forcing people to go online. Right, Rob? It's, uh, it's just, uh, it's so amazing uh, how, how tricky and how smart and how crafty the, these big financial services companies are. They don't want us to have knowledge. They don't want us to have information. Uh, you know, and, and they will spend tons of money to protect their position. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I really think, I, you know, I, as much as I hate to say this, I really think they're going to fight me on my whole financial literacy campaign. Uh, so for any of you who don't listen regularly, uh, I'm in the process of putting together a, a big campaign uh, to try to raise awareness and, and increase uh, and actually include financial literacy uh, in our school's curriculum. And uh, this is just something I'm very passionate about. Uh, I believe that if the next generation is armed with uh, the knowledge about finance and, and credit cards and credit scores and student loans and mortgages and all the things we talk about here on this show at a younger age, uh, that they're going to be that much more powerful of a generation in the future. And uh, you know who doesn't want this to happen? And that's the the big fi- the same guys that are hiding credit card disclosures, that's right? right. That's I mean, right. if they're willing to invest all this money in building out mobile apps and online portals just so they can hide knowledge from from their their customers you know what are they going to do to try to shut me up and, and hide the knowledge from a whole generation and uh, I'm ready for the fight I mean uh, this is important enough to me uh, and, and uh, you know I've been blessed in my success in life that I, I can afford to take on a project like this and not worry about the repercussions from the big financial services companies mm-hmm. uh, I'm here I'm here to fight for the consumer I'm here to fight for the next generation of consumers the next generation of uh, potentially financial zombies right? And we got to wake them up. And the earlier we can get, and really where this hit me, Rob, is I was watching a friend's kid play with their iPad, yep. right? And, and and so I watch, I watch my grandmother try to use an iPad I got her, uh, you know, and 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 she's she's brilliant. I mean, she's she's in her 80s. She is brilliant, but she's just afraid of the technology, right? She's just not comfortable with it. It's not that she can't do it. She's absolutely smart enough. I mean, she's one of the smartest ladies I know, uh, and she's absolutely smart enough to do it. But she's got this idea in her head. That, that, that she can't do it, that the technology is not for her. She's got these self-limiting beliefs. Uh-huh. And then you look at a, you look at a five or a six-year-old who, who was zipping around on the iPad like there's absolutely no problem at all, and it's because they got comfortable with the idea of it. They got comfortable with the idea of the technology at an age when they did not yet have any self-limiting beliefs, right? When we're young, we think we can do everything, right? You know, uh, teenagers think they're the smartest people on the planet. Uh, this is the the whole idea. So we need to capitalize on that by introducing our youth to the concepts in financial uh, literacy, mm-hmm. the concepts of credit scores, the concepts of interest, the concepts of money and leverage. When they are young enough to believe that they can do anything, so they will believe they can master this. Right? A lot of people I meet, Rob, they say, Robert, I, you know, I can't do what you're talking about. Well, guess what? As soon as they try, they realize they can. Yeah, they can. So they have this self-limiting belief that they cannot. When I convince them to actually give it a try, they realize it's not as hard as it sounds, but we have to overcome this whole idea that we can't do it, where our kids don't have that idea. They believe they can do anything. And so if we can integrate financial literacy, if we can integrate knowledge of credit scores and knowledge of interest rates and knowledge of borrowing money and loaning money and leverage and how to pay our bills on time, and how to take advantage of banks, and how to not fall into to, to the, the trap of credit card debt while, while still using credit cards to our advantage. If we can instill all that in our children when they are still at an age where they believe they can take on and do anything, that is the key to the next generation not being financial zombies. And so I realized this when I was watching uh, like a six-year-old play with an iPad. You know, Uh because they were super comfortable because they never believed they couldn't. They never hit the point where they said, oh, that's new technology. I can't do that. Oh, this credit score thing. That's too complex. I can't do that. But that's exactly what we face today. Uh, The majority of us think, just like my grandmother in her 80s, thinks that that iPad is too difficult to master, even though I know without a shadow of a doubt 
that she is smart enough to do it. I can't convince her of that. I, she thinks she's going to have to practice and learn and take lessons uh, where the six-year-old just picks it up and fiddles with it until it does what they want it to do. And, and that's the exact mentality and mindset that I want our next generation to have when it comes to all things personal finance, all aspects of financial literacy. And the only way to do it is to get it at a young age. And so if I can get it into the schools, that's what I'm fighting for. And that's what my mission is. Mm -hmm. If I can't get it into the schools, I'll go some other route. But I am going to figure out a way to educate and bring financial literacy to our youth. So when they grow up, they don't deal with these issues. They can't be taken advantage of by big financial services companies. They know to shop around, right? They know rule number one. They are going to shop around for everything related to financial services. They're going to know their numbers. Rule number two, they're going to know their numbers like the back of their hand. They're going to know their numbers like they know a video game score, right? Rule number two, it's going to be that important. Rule number three, they're going to wait three days before major purchases because that's just the way they'll have always been taught to do it from a young age, right? They're going to have all the rules ingrained in them. You know, they're going to they're gonna want to own real estate sooner, not later, and build the wealth that creates. They're going to want to know the tricks so they won't work anymore. They're going to want to do all these things. It's going to be a natural ingrained part of their life because they're going to be taught it at an age before they have built up all these self-limiting beliefs and all these self-limiting doubts. And they're going to be a generation of financial ninjas. And this is my mission. This is my calling. And Rob, this is, the, this is what I'm here to do. I am here to, you know, I'm on the radio to educate uh, all of us that didn't have that when, when we were kids, but I'm also here to fix that problem mm -hmm. so that when I'm gone and I'm not here on the radio in, in 60, 70 years, you know, to, to tell people how to fight the system, they're already going to know because they'll have been taught in schools or when they were younger. And, and that is how we beat this problem for the long haul. Well, Robert, we've come to the end of yet another show right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. We particularly want to thank you for listening during this holiday time, and we want to thank this radio station. You know, a lot of people find us on the radio, and they're not real sure how we got here. Well, a lot of the programming on radio stations is basically syndicated. You know, somebody will go out, and they'll put it on their radio station, and they'll sell commercials during it. Oh, we did the opposite. We came to this radio station because we wanted to reach you, and we bought this time. The time that we buy on this radio station is all about empowering you. So we hope that you'll learn more, you'll save more, you'll be a ninja out there with your finances, and at the end of the day, you're going to be very, very happy about the financial control that you now have thanks to Robert's teachings, to his radio shows, to all of the articles that he writes, to, hey, an upcoming book. You'll be sure to want a copy, and we'll tell you more and more about that as time goes on. And before we close out the show, I want to remind you that you have between now, as you're listening to me, to the end of the year. Yeah, we're looking at just the days going by real quick. There's only a few more days for you to make an application. You simply have to make the application for a refinance and you will qualify as long as you do it in the year 2015, getting the application in, you will qualify for a zero closing cost that's right, zero closing costs, zero lender fees, refi. Wow, that would put a lot of empowerment in your hands as you start a new year. But again, the promotion ends at the end of 2015. So get going, everybody. Call 855-773-8634, 855-773-8634. That'll wrap it up. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer.